Hello me and my golfers and welcome to episode 9 of the Take Charge podcast and we've got a great topic that we are talking about today. I'm your host Andy Proudman and I'm joined with my co-host Piers Ward and today we are talking about three things that will transform your game. Now the theme of the month is driving range drills so we're going to talk about really the things that you can do when you go to the range that will have a huge impact on your game. This is a great one for you to next time take to the range and improve your golf for this season. So let's get straight into it. So the season is almost here, Pierce. The Masters mm. is just a few weeks away around the corner. Tiger's playing some good golf lately. It's going to be exciting to see him there. Um, now look, March is all about driving range drills. So we wanted to really talk about today practice and how yeah. golfers tend to practice and, and really what's missing from what, what they take to the range. Because I think if golfers can take um, more of a structured plan to the range and understand what will help them to play better on the golf course, then they're gonna have more productive sessions and ultimately improve their game when it comes to playing this season, won't they? Yeah, I think so. And look, I mean, we put a lot of thought into this theme. Obviously, we theme every month at Me and My Golf and we thought, well, it's the perfect time because people, as much as you'd like them to practice really hard in October, you know, throughout the whole winter, but this is the time where they really start to practice. This is where people step it up. And we've seen so many examples over the years of golfers who were just doing a pretty bad job of it. You know, yeah. We used to work at the, the Three Hammers driving range, a, a very busy driving range, and we'd see uh, hundreds, thousands of golfers a week. And how many of them would actually do a good routine when they would get there? You know, they'd turn up with their mates on a Wednesday night and then go and have a pint afterwards and you could speak to them on the car park on the way out. Well, how was your session tonight? What did you yeah. achieve? And you go, well, I hit some balls. Sure, yeah. that'll make me better yeah, <laughs> if exactly. I just hit some balls. But yeah, so it just doesn't work. I wish work. it did. <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, it doesn't <coughs> work that way, does it? It doesn't. So, we, so what we wanted to do really in today's podcast is highlight three things um, that next time you go to the driving range, it will help you out. So let's get into the first point, which is really focus or purpose, Pierce. Now, as you mentioned earlier, when we were at the driving range, we used to see a lot of golfers just turn up and practice and, and sort of maybe do a few things wrong. Talk about what we would see and maybe how it was wrong or how it was poor. Yeah, I mean, look, so what uh, the golfer would generally do, and this is generalizing, but it was a very, uh, you know, a very high percentage of golfers that would do this. You know, they would perhaps turn up at the driving range, you know, maybe hit a few sort of wedge shots to start with. And then they would, the, the biggest thing we would see, they would specifically spend a lot of time on one club. Okay, so there's, let's say they've got 50 golf balls and they've got, 20 warm-up shots and they've got 30 golf balls left. They may spend another 20 shots on hitting their, their six iron. And then they just hit sort of 10 shots with their driver after that. And the, the problem with this was there was, you know, so they were only hitting a couple of clubs, but also what they're doing when they're hitting these golf shots, they may have a vague target out on the driving range. So a, a flag that they're aiming towards, so they can go to their fundamentals, which okay is okay. But they didn't really have a way of managing what they were doing when they were on that practice session. So they would have a target, they'd hit a couple of clubs, and that would be it. So it would be as vague as that. So if, if we think about the game of golf, how often do you get to hit the same club all the time? You know, okay, there's something we'll come to in a moment which, which is similar to that. The driver, obviously, you can hit a few of, but if you're on the driving range and on your practice session, you have a vague target out there and there's no consequence to your practice, that is not a good focus when you're on the driving range for sure. No, and I think the key thing is what we would see is that people are on the range and they would expect to get better just by doing just the same thing. Just by hitting thing. their shots. Just by doing the same yes. thing. So they go to the driving range 
And they'd almost think, well, okay, if I hit 100 golf balls today, yeah. I'm going to get better. Yeah. Even if they don't think of anything technical, mm -hmm. they just expect the practice to make them yeah. better. It's the definition of insanity, isn't it? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. It's quite clever, not, that Albert. It was pretty clever, wasn't it? It was clever, right, anyway. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's like the expectation of getting better by doing the same thing, which is definitely yeah, yeah. insanity, it's isn't it? It's it is insane. It is. So I think that's something that we would see. And I think for the, the guys who are listening to this, you know, have a think if your practice is like that. Do you go to the driving range and do you expect to get better without really thinking about mm -hmm. anything different? So there's no focus on any technical change at all. So they're not really thinking, well, okay, today I'm going to go there and I'm going to work at my grip or I'm going to really look at working on the specific part of my backswing and really getting some clear focus. And this is what we're talking about, a purpose and a focus exactly on what you're looking to achieve. And I think once that pure, clear focus and purpose is there, you can then go to the range and say, right, today my purpose is to work at this part of my backswing. Yeah. So then you are practicing something different. And if you are working on something different, you are going to get a different result. Yeah. Hopefully, if it's the right thing, you're going to get a better result. So I think it's really important that before you get to the driving range, you choose that purpose, mm -hmm. don't you, Pierce? You make sure that if you've had some lessons, you make sure that you and your coach are really clear on, on exactly what you need to do to the range. But also focusing on one area appears. So if you are working at your golf swing, not going to there and, and saying, I'm going to work at six things mm -hmm. or seven things, you know, it's saying, well, okay, what one area today could I really go deep into and focus on that that's going to make a huge difference to my game? So, so if you think of it this way, if you've, whether it be by watching our videos or by having a golf lesson with somebody, you're going to have an idea on what you need to work at. So what, let's say there was a grip change and there's something else in the setup and there was maybe two or three things that you wanted to change in the golf swing. The key thing is really the setup things you can work at alongside a swing change for sure. Yeah. But So let's just say that you're working at your grip and your posture. Okay. So every shot that you're going to hit, you can work at your grip and your posture and you can put that into your routine and it's not going to get too complicated. Because once you obviously go to pull the trigger, then that's when you've got to be careful on how many things you think of. So let's just say in your golf swing, you needed to work your takeaway and your transition, and then obviously through the golf ball. So let's say three things. The, the best thing that you can do really from there is, as you said, Andy, is make sure that you have one of those as the focus that you work really hard on, and that is your purpose for that session when you're out there. Now, it's not always the takeaway first. We don't have to go in sequence of the golf swing. That is why you need to work out, though, with your coach or from watching our videos, what is the first thing that you need to attack? So let's say it's someone who's slicing the golf ball. We generally would say that the club face is open. We need to get you to understand what it's going to take to close that face. Now, it may mean that when you hit the golf ball at the, on, the, on the range session you've got, that you may not hit it perfectly straight. But as long as you stop slicing it, that is the key. So creating a change, having a focus on, you know, a deep focus on creating that change, and then that gives you a lot more purpose on your session. Definitely, almost go to the range with a must do. What must I do today that's gonna to have the greatest impact to that change? And I think, look, if you can go to the range and have that plan, have that focus, know what drills you're gonna use, yeah. um, maybe position yourself in the mirror, um, maybe even set up a, a camera that you can actually film your golf yeah. swing, Take your time doing some practice swings. It might take you three minutes, four minutes to even hit one ball. Mm -hmm. But that's sort of going deep into that practice pace yeah. and focusing on that as opposed to just hitting one shot, not having any practice swings, hitting another shot. And you'd almost just get yourself and compound exactly what the problem already we, is. We would much 
rather somebody hit 20 balls over 50 if every one of those 20 was high quality. So yeah. quality over quantity, obviously. So if we're talking about, you know, making sure that the grip and the posture are good, making sure that the, the, the closing of the face, however you're going to do that in your golf swing, is better, for instance, in that golfer. That is, that is what we would much prefer you to do, having those two or three practice swings, those drills, making sure that you take your time in between the shots. Definitely. Now, book recommendation, talking about deep practice and going in, there's a book by Daniel Coyle called The Talent Code, mm -hmm. which talks really about going into deep practice pits, doesn't it? And it's an interesting book because um, he had an interesting way of sort of training, didn't he? Yeah. And talking about how to generate a, a good movement by really focusing on slow, controlled, deep practice. So, so he, yeah, he was, obviously the way that he actually, so it's an amazing book really, the way that he researches, he travels the world looking at how these small pockets of, um, whether they're sports academies, gyms, or, or training centers, how they created these great uh, talents, both male and female. And I think there was, I always remember the one uh, thing that stood out for me was that there was a, a tennis academy in Russia very small academy which produced more top 10 players than the whole of the United States. So people like Maria Sharapova were there. So he obviously when he sees this, he sees that all these great tennis players are coming from this one academy, a very small academy, he's obviously going to find out what it is. And, and this is obviously the theme throughout all these academies, which was the deep practice, as you mentioned there. Andy. So he would see that the tennis players would be there hitting tennis shots without a tennis, without a tennis ball. So real slow, deliberate movements ingraining the, 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 the changes they wanted to do or the technique that they wanted to do. So obviously when it comes to hitting a golf ball, it's a very fast explosive movement. But if you want to help change that pattern, it is very beneficial to do these slow movements in between that so you can feel the positions you're after. And it's certainly sure. something that we would do with our students on the lesson tee pierce. 100%. Trying to make a change. Um, we would tell them to go a little slower because as soon yeah. as they go slower, the quality of the change is so much better. It's enhanced. The feeling's enhanced. You know, it's so much easier to make that change when you go slow. The faster you go, the more you're going to move towards your natural habits. So I think that's something as well to, to, to think about when you do go and, and work at some technical change on the, on the driving range. Go slow. Go as slow as, it, as you can go so you really feel exactly what the change you want to make. And I think as you get better and better, you can then speed that up so it feels a little bit more natural. I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball for you, Andy, here. So... Uh, Percentage, rough percentage of the videos that we have, especially on the website, how many of them are not full swings? A lot. A lot. A lot. So 70%, 80% maybe yeah. of the drills, there are mini movements in the golf swing yeah. so you can focus on that specific point. As yeah. you said, if you go fast, if you go full with your swing, the normal pattern you have will want to, yeah. will want to be there. So if you're trying to close the face or improve your takeaway, you know, improve your impact positions, you've got to sometimes have a shorter goal swing. Yeah, it's funny when we get people to, with a seven iron pierce on the, on the lesson tee and say, what I want you to do on this one is hit me a 60 to 80 yard seven <laughs> iron, really slow, yeah. and they hit this first one, it goes 140 yards, yeah. and they go, oh, that's a, I, didn't, I thought I went a bit slower than that. Yeah. And then it's a skill in itself mm. to be able to do that. So, I mean, that's a great little tip for you guys there. If you're trying to make a technical change, let's say with an iron, make a technical change Go slow enough that you can hit a 70, 80 yard seven iron and you're gonna feel that's quite a hard skill to master, but it's a great thing to train because you're gonna create some awareness in your golf swing and the change is gonna be easier. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the biggest, the biggest thing that we have 
seen that stops people doing this is that they will go to the driving range and say, well, you want me to hit 30 of the golf balls that I have paid for 60 or 70 yards? Yeah. And you're like, yep. And then you go, well, that seems like a waste of golf balls. Exactly. Well, guess what? Everything you do every Wednesday night <laughs> when you're hitting 100 balls and freewheeling and not changing the pattern, that is a waste of money. Yeah. So it, it's so... It's so easy, and we've been guilty of it as well ourselves. Oh, yeah, no, you know, we want to go and hit four shots because it's more fun. But if you put the graft in in the specific correct areas, it will definitely change. And one thing I will always say as well: learn from the best. Ben Hogan would always have a notebook with him, so he would actually write down before what I'm going to achieve. He would write down during what was happening. So sometimes when you're on a on a range session, you've probably had these range sessions. We've all had them where you've hit the ball brilliantly. Well, start making some notes on this, even if it's videoing your golf swing, do something to, to obviously take you back to that place when it's not so good. So I think the first key point there, guys, is if you're gonna practice, make sure you have a focus, a plan, and a clear outline for what you wanna achieve out of that practice session. I think it's really important that you go to the range armed with that. Right, let's get on to the second point, Pierce. Mm, including pressure. Okay, so, right, here we go, Andy. You're on the first tee. On a Saturday morning in a competition, is there any pressure? There's definitely some pressure, especially if the, the, my, my mates are there watching me and ready to, ready to go. There's a, there's a queue of people there. You definitely feel a little bit of okay. pressure. So you're with your same mates on a Wednesday night yeah. at the driving range. Yeah. You're, gonna have, you're looking forward, very much looking forward to your pint of beer afterwards. Is there any pressure on that first shot? No, not no. at all. No. Not at all. I mean, and, and that is the, the, the biggest difference that we see. And I always remember... Um, Steve Backley, who was, um, I don't know whether he actually won the Olympic gold, but I think he was world champion. He won, a, I think he had a, he probably got two or three silvers in the javelin yeah. in the Olympics. And he came into golf and wanted to learn a bit more about golf. And he looked at the way that golf golfers trained and actually was thought it was, in his words, I think, were, I'm not going to say his words just in case he didn't say this, but he actually thought that it was very wrong and very poor how golfers trained yeah. because all they did was hit technique or just hit, hit balls, as we're yeah. saying. So I think that what we're trying to say with this is when you play golf, there is pressure. When you're on the driving range, there isn't. But can you, Andy, create pressure on the driving range? You, look, you, you definitely can. And normally when you go to the range, there's, there's pressure on one ball, and that is the last ball because you don't <laughs> want to go home hitting a really bad yeah. ball. So How many people How many people run out into the driving range to get into the yeah, ball? Exactly, <laughs> I can't yeah. finish on that one. <laughs> I've definitely done that. Definitely done that. I've maybe run it a few times. Um, but, yeah, the, I think you think about golf and... You do get on the golf course and everybody gets nervous. There's pressure on shots, you know, especially when you've got a card in your hand. But when you practice on the driving range and there's no pressure there, it doesn't make sense to practice something that's totally different on the range to something that's so, so different on the golf course. And it's no surprise, people, uh, Pierce, that the people go, I'm great on the range. You know, look, I, I'm, my, my range game is good. But when I get on the golf course and I've got a card in my hand, it goes to pot. Well, Look, there's no difference in terms of technique difference. On the driving range, you're not under pressure. So what you're not used to, you're not preparing yourself well enough for competition play. And if you can include some element of, of pressure in your practice, guess what? When you get into the, uh, onto the golf course, it's not going to seem as hard. Mm. And I think, look, it's another key thing, Pierce, um, involving pressure, but making it harder. Yeah. You, you look at driving ranges now, and they're quite wide. The targets are, are obviously spread out. There's no trees, there's no bunkers, there's no danger there. So you can hit a shot to a, to a flag. If you miss the target, it doesn't really matter. No so consequence. There's no consequence to anything. Whereas you get on the first tee, 
there's trees, there's out of bounds, there's water, there's bunkers, all of a sudden it's totally different. Yeah. So if you can find a way to include pressure, but also make it harder. So, so if you set yourself a task that's actually, you know, let's say you pick a fairway out that would be tighter than a fairway on the golf course, and yep. you're giving yourself a task to hit so many balls into that fairway, then first of all, there's pressure there, but then also you're making that target s smaller than when you get onto the golf course. And I think on the golf course, then you're going to stand on that first tee or whatever tee it is, and actually it's not going to seem yeah. as hard. And a, you know, another example of this is when people um, practice putting pierce and they will practice putting to a tee. Yep. So you're on the putting green, practicing to a tee before you go out on the golf course. You know, think about what that does. You're training to a much smaller target. So then when you get to the golf course, all of a sudden you've got this huge hole that seems easier now. So it's mm. the perception of it, isn't it, really? And I think if you can involve that on the driving range as well, it's going to make you feel a lot more comfortable yeah. on the golf course. It's funny you say that. I've definitely played in tournament golf, when we used to play tournament golf, when, when the putting's been good, I've actually seen the tee peg and not the hole. Yeah. So I remember one specific tournament, there was a tee peg sticking out the back of every hole, in my yeah. mind. And I think that's the sort of thing that can, that can help you with the focus, of course. But it, it, look, I think the thing, I mean, look, we've got loads of examples of this. And one, one example I say all the time to my clients, if they're looking to improve, is, and this is a cricket um, theme story. So Sir Donald Bradman um, has been pretty much recognised as the greatest batsman of all time. He had a um, average of just under 100. He got out for a duck in his last innings. Otherwise, he'd been over 100, which I'm sure he was rather annoyed at. So 99.03, I think, is average. Now, if you bear that in mind, I don't know what the best one, who's got the second best average now, but it's in the 60s. So people like Tendulkar and Lara and, you know, great batsmen are all very close to each other, but nowhere near as good as he was. And the way that he would actually practice... Um, Hitting, the, hitting a cricket ball would actually by, be by hitting a golf ball with cricket stumps and then throwing a ball in some corrugated sheeting so it was coming off at all sorts of angles. So if you think about all the elements he's putting in there, he's putting in a smaller um, target to hit with a smaller hitting yeah. um, surface area and then the golf ball pinging in him at all sorts of different angles. So yeah. if you're thinking about when he's then got these English bowlers running down to him with this massive ball throwing it down slow and a bat. predictable angle with this huge bat in his hand yeah. suddenly and it, and, it, it, and it is always about that and again again another one for me is Mike Tyson you look at him on how he you know when he first started boxing the consequent what consequence was he would probably have died if yeah. he hadn't have done boxing yeah. so he had to do something to get him out of the position that his life was in yeah. you know he needed to fight and earn money to obviously become, um, to, to be, have a safe life, which yeah, sounds crazy. Just stay alive. Just stay alive. But actually, one, when it went wrong for Mike was when probably it, it got too easy for him. Yeah, exactly. He didn't have that. And you look at, I mean, even just how footballers practice, you know, you've seen footballers maybe, you know, with, with those pretend wars, they have mm. larger players, yeah. they have smaller goals, so they've got to curve the ball around bigger targets and get it into a smaller target. Yeah. So when they're faced with a, um, you know, a, a five foot ten, defender or you know whatever and a, and a big goal all of a sudden well this is easy now and mm -hmm. I think you know golf is certainly missing that element we've almost got to take that to the range ourselves because the things on the range necessarily aren't, aren't there to to sort of condition us in that way really so there's certain things that we've done Pierce and we recommend our students do on the let's say on the range for instance yep. that can help them there's a, there's a game that we get them to play which is sort of the 10 ball game where you can either go with an iron or with a the driver where you pick two targets you have 10 balls and you give yourself a challenge of hitting, let's say, uh, six balls. Whatever you feel is a good amount 
to hit between those two targets. You make those targets small. You have 10 golf balls at the end of the session. You're only allowed 10. Yeah. Why, why you're only allowed 10, Pierce? Well, you can't have another go on the golf course, can you? Exactly. <laughs> so it simulates the real game. You're only allowed one chance at doing that. 10 golf balls and you record your score. So mm. it's really important that you record your score, similar to the real game. And next week, you see if you can beat yeah. that. And the great thing about that is if you, let's say the first week you get five. Mm -hmm. uh, second week, you have another go. Um, you get six. Mm -hmm. Well, you know you're getting better. Yeah. You know you're getting better. And if you know you're getting better, your confidence is going to be up as well. Mm -hmm. So there's multiple benefits from doing that as well as obviously making things harder. It's a, it's a great one to see yourself improving and, and growing confidence as well, isn't it? Well, it's, it's something that, absolutely, it's something that actually can change all the time as well. It has not got to be the same targets. You can make the targets narrower as you get better. Yeah. Also think of this, if suddenly you're, you're consistently getting seven or eight out of 10 on a small fairway, you're talking like 20 yard, even 10 yard fairways, what are you going to be like when you peg it up on the, on the Saturday morning in your competition yeah. now and you've got a 50 yard fairway to hit? Okay, let's say, obviously your confidence is going to be a lot higher, but let's say you miss that fairway. You're not suddenly having your confidence shot because you have nothing to back up the fact that you're probably going to hit another good shot later in the round. Yeah. You can get on the second tee now and go, well, I'm allowed to miss one or two. I always miss one or two anyway, yeah. so it's okay to do that. So suddenly you've just got more confidence throughout your game. But I think what you need to do is, the big thing that you need to look at is look at the environment and where you practice. So look at your driving range and create these games for yourself. And a really good way of doing this as well is this 10 ball game. Don't just do it by yourself. Do it as a match player against one of your, one of your friends who's there on that Wednesday night with you. We would do that if we were on the range. We yeah. would have a nearest the pin or yeah. something that involves some competition. So then all but, of a sudden you feel that pressure. But also a consequence. And the consequence exactly. is not always just losing. It could be the person pays for that pint. Yes. Where, how are you going to do it? Or cleans their car, cleans their clubs. Cleaning their clubs, I think, is the best one because that is probably very demeaning. <laughs> that if you have lost and then you have to clean their golf clubs afterwards, I really like that. So yeah, that's a one. good one. <laughs> so yeah, so the good couple of ones that you can do on the range there. And, uh, and again, as we mentioned, the uh, the putting one, a great one to do before you go out on the golf course is maybe give yourself the uh, put yourself a tee peg in there, yeah. or even do the ladder drill, which we like yeah. as well, which is a good one. Maybe check mm -hmm. out the website for that because uh, some great drills on there's, there to practice. There's, there's loads, there's loads. They are, they are everywhere for sure. Okay, uh, third and final one, Pierce. Yes. Now, random versus blocked. Now, a lot mm. of the guys listening to this may not know what random versus blocked is. Let's talk about blocked first. What is blocked practice? Let's just talk about what that is. So I suppose the scenario would be, let's imagine we've got the, the golfer who is, let's say the guy who is actually trying to change his golf swing and he's actually done a really good plan as well. So he's actually gone to the driving range and he's gonna, he's gonna work at his golf swing and he's gonna hit 100 balls working at his golf swing. The blocked golfer, this, uh, this version will be the guy who just stands there and hits the ball to the same target, pretty much with the same club, doing the same thing over and over again. That is what we would determine as a blocked practicer. And that can have benefits, yep. but it can have negatives as well. So random, <clears throat> sort of can guess what random <laughs> is going to be by the word, but random, Pierce? Yeah, okay, so that same golfer there, even if he was working at his technique, maybe he were to put that into some sort of pre-shot routine and then he were to go for different targets all the time. So as opposed to hitting 106 irons in a row, he may actually go driver. Then he may hit a seven iron. Then he may hit a, a pitching wedge. So you get the uh, you get the gist. So basically, randomising the practice, and and each one, each shot then presents a different skill or task for you to actually think about. So there's That's, very different. That is the key. In that, it is, for yeah, sure. exactly. So different. let's talk about block practice first, Pierce, and talk about um, the benefits of it. Yeah. You know when to do it, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then we'll go into random. So what's the benefits of doing blocked practice? Well, I think for the guy who wants to change their golf swing. 
it works really well. So the guy who is looking to change how they, how they, the ball flies. Yeah. So someone who wants to stop their slice, someone who wants to strike it a little bit better, lower the ball flight, all of these nice things, get rid of a, a, a swing fault. So there's absolutely loads of a lot of place for this, but this the blocked practice for that. It kind of goes into what we spoke about before with the focus. In the deep you practice, are in the yeah. deep practice. You are focusing at changing that movement. So that is yeah. for us is the biggest benefit. For Almost sure. changing that motor pattern. So let's say you've got an over the top yeah. swing with an open club face. So this is a perfect opportunity to say, well, look, I need to change my pattern. I need to get my club more from the inside, yeah. and I need to square the face up. Yeah. Now this is a great opportunity to go deep and practice this blocked. Yeah. So you can make lasting changes in, yeah. in that technique, isn't yeah. it really? Yeah, and that, that, that's the main benefit for us. I mean, I think also you, you can look at it and maybe for the 10 ball game as well. There's a, there's a benefit obviously for doing that kind of, because it's going to be yeah. all hitting drivers. That's okay to do that as well in that instance there, for sure. And block practice, would you say there's a, a specific time of the year where you would maybe do more or less than, than sort of random practice? Yeah, you, look, you would definitely want to periodize it because the last thing you want to be doing in May is hitting 80% of your golf balls working at your technique. If the, if the summer season is yeah. obviously from May to October, maybe for you guys. Um, that is, so, you, so you definitely don't want to be doing a lot of block practice then. Maybe the time to start blocking your practice more is your sort of um, October through to February time. Yeah. So just, just before this actually, so start, start randomizing now. And it's one, you, the reason is that is obviously you want to make those changes through the winter period. So when you get to those yeah. summer periods, you're not thinking so much about technique. You can really start focusing on maybe short game and scoring because that's ultimately, yeah. when it comes to that time of year between, let's say April and September where the main golf season is, golfers want to be out on the golf course. And when it comes to being able to play golf after work, which yeah. a lot of guys will want to do, you know, when the, when the weather's nice, the last thing they want to do really is go to the driving range as opposed to get on the golf course. Yeah. So if you can fit that into your schedule over the winter so when the weather gets better and the light nights are here, you can go on the golf course and the technical work's done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this, this is based on your goals as well. This yes. is obviously, some of you may be there going, well, I really want to rip my swing apart and I don't, doesn't, this summer doesn't mean anything to me, my golf doesn't mean anything to you. Uh, I don't find... I haven't found many people who've gone through that experience and enjoyed it, number one, and actually benefited from it. Yeah. So in our opinions, you wholesale swing changes, unless it is your job or unless you are retired and you have the time to do it, um, or however you work and allows you that time, it's just never that enjoyable for people and actually doesn't really work that well. No. So it's just choosing that wisely and understanding really that there are benefits, but there are some negatives as well with the, with the block practice because... The block practice, although great for technical change, a lot of the stuff that you do, because you're not presenting yourself with different skills mm. um, each time, you're not really having to think too much. Yeah. You know, your, your brain isn't really having to, to engage in, in sort of what's out there. And yeah. if you think about the golf course, you know, the golf course is very random. So, mm. you know, each shot that you're going to play presents a different task. You might have a, a different lie. You might have a dog leg. You might have to shape the golf ball. You're going to use a driver, you're going to use an iron, you're going to use a, a putter, a sandwich. Every single shot presents a different skill. Whereas on the driving range, again, think about that. If you hit yeah. 60, 70, 7 irons, you're not really simulating the real game. Although, as we said, there is benefit. But again, there's not really that, that many transferable skills from block practice. Yeah. And I think, look, from what you've just said there, the way you've led in perfectly to random practice, as is the golf course, is always different. You know, the shot you're playing, hopefully, is always different. We don't want you playing the same shot twice because that means you're having a penalty. But you're always playing a different shot. And it can almost be the way 
that if you play the same golf course five days in a row, you can almost play a different shot you know, most days in that. So it's obviously very random. So you look at some of the best golfers in the world, you know, we hear their stories and how they practice. Faldo, we hear a lot of Nick Faldo about playing the golf course on the driving range before. So actually having his plan, obviously, we've spoke about this before, but having his strategy on how he's going to play Augusta, yeah. but then actually playing Augusta on the practice area. So yeah. he'll be there hitting driver down the first and the five iron into the middle of the green with a little bit of a fade if he feels that's the best way for him to play that shot. So that's maybe to the nth degree, but why not? Why not prepare as, as a tour pro prepares? There's no excuses then really, and it will, you'll benefit from doing it for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the, ben the other benefits of random practice. So random practice, as we've said, presents itself with a different skill yes. each time. So you're brain has to think. Now the difference is with this is, and this is what you need to, to think about. Let's give you an example. Let's say you've got a 40 yard target pierce mm -hmm. and you're hitting your lob wedge to this target, but you're going to block practice. Yeah. So you're hitting 40 yards to this, this uh, target. Now the brain hasn't got to learn there because yeah. you, once you've hit one or two shots, one or two, that's you, all you, you, need. you sort of know, and then it just becomes automated. So mm -hmm. the brain sort of switches off, but you get really good mm -hmm. at practice. Now the problem is you might think, well that's a really good practice session, mm. but the problem is there because you haven't engaged your brain to learn or present itself with any different skills, your practice is good, but it doesn't transfer that well to the golf course. No. So let's think about this. Let's say you've got your lob wedge in your hand, but you give yourself a 20 yard shot followed by a 50, then a 30, then a, then a 15. Each single shot there is different. So your brain has to learn, mm -hmm. you has to adapt, has to solve a problem. Now the practice session might not look as good because it's presenting itself a different mm -hmm. skill. So you might think, well, I haven't had a very good practice session there. But the great thing about that is, is you've more learnings took place. Yep. And the research shows that a lot of the learning there will transfer over to the golf course and will you'll retain it for a lot longer. So it's a bit of a, an illusion almost mm. that you think, well, if I go and hit shots, I'm really good at this 40 yard pitch shot now. Yeah. Whereas actually it probably won't transfer that well onto the golf course as opposed to actually randomizing the distance, maybe even changing up the clubs as yep. well. And the, there's so much more learning that takes place from that, even if it seems like you've had a poor practice session. So this is interesting. You said this, and this is scientifically proven to improve motor skill learning. So you know when you're when you're saying that because of the the reasons that you just mentioned there, Andy, then you definitely have to look at it. I mean, we do it a lot on a um, with with Trapman. Yeah. So we can randomise and we can actually say, well, look, anywhere between thirty and eighty yards. Right there, you go. It, it pings out a number. Brilliant. Play the shot, students, and it's, it? it's it's unbelievable because it scores them. And we have I have done tests on this myself where I've said, right, let's go eighty yards off a mat. Yeah. Okay. I've eighty yards off a mat. Hit ten shots, and their score is good. So right, okay, follow me. We take the track man, we go on the grass and we randomize 30 to 80. Their score is 30 to 40% worse yeah. because different target, obviously they haven't got the forgiveness of the mat as well, which is obviously something you need to be aware of. So practice on grass if you get the chance, obviously. So by having a different skill to learn every time, they may not be as good, but they do get better, Andy. Yeah. They get better by doing that kind of random practice more often, but it's more transferable to the golf course. Exactly. And, and that's you, really important. If you think about what learning is, really, learning is sol it's solving a problem. And if, if somebody's got to think, you know, yeah. you're standing there and you're saying, okay, I want you to hit this one 62 yards. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're looking at you or they're sort of having their practicing and feeling and thinking, 
all of a sudden there's learning that's taking place there as yeah. opposed to they hit one shot to 40 and go, well, okay, I, I can, they're just freewheeling. There's no learning that's taking place because they haven't got a problem solved. Yeah. So if you're presenting a problem, each, um, each shot with a different target, with a different height, with a different club, all of a sudden your brain is engaged, you're learning, and again, as we've said, it's going to transfer to the golf course much easier. And you're going to definitely improve doing that as well. Now, it's something that we would recommend all of you guys to include, yeah. really. Now, so, yeah, go no, sorry. So, yeah, um, negatives of that, Pith. Let's talk about any yeah. negatives just, just one of quick, random. Just one quick thing on yeah. that, actually. Obviously, people are listening to this going, OK, Andy and Pierce, we haven't got a track man. How are we going to do this? Now, look, there are different ways that you can do this. You can look at um, just getting an app for your phone, randomise, and then obviously you can set the parameters. Now, you may not be able to go from 30 to 80, but if you know there are two flags on the driving range that are ones at 60, ones at 80, yeah. but why don't you randomise between 60 and 80? And then you look at the shots and you judge them. Now, obviously, between 20 yards, you're not going to be massively out. So if it comes up with 75, you know if you get it near that 80, it's going to be pretty good. If it comes up at 62, you know if you can get it just near the front one, then obviously you've done a good job. So there's an element of randomising it that way. Then the other way you would look at it is look at the yardages that you have on the, on the, on the range, obviously. Take that into account and then randomise from 100 to 200. And just say to yourself, well, can I hit the club that is required to hit 127 yards yeah. and then pick it between two targets? So you're not going to know exactly whether you hit it 127 yards, but you're going to have a good idea. And the good news is then on the next shot, it's probably going to be 153. So you have to change club. You can go to a different target. You are learning skills all the time, just like you're on the golf course. Definitely. And then one of the videos that recently went up on Monday, last Monday on the Impact Show, was a, a drill that we call the nine-shot drill, which where you have nine golf balls and you have to play a different ball flight and shape on each one. And that's a great one um, worth checking out for you guys because it definitely gets you thinking. And it's also going to sort of highlight any weaknesses in your in your game as well so yeah. certainly check that out as well guys yeah and there's just one other thing as well i think i think it was one it was always one other thing isn't <laughs> it Andy? Um, once we get talking i think i think the one thing i will say is that we get a lot of questions from different standards of golfers which practice suits me best so we'll definitely get a lot of guys who are just getting guys and girls sorry who are just getting into the game who think well i need to improve my technique so i need to block practice I need to block practice and I need to learn how to hit a seven iron. If I can hit a seven iron, yeah. then I'm all right. Well, guess what? Please do not do that. What you need to do is you need to understand how to strike the golf ball. You need to understand what makes the golf ball curve. Now, you can learn those things very soon in your, in your golfing uh, development, but do it with different clubs. Don't just do it with the one club. Yeah. Don't just go to the one target. So do different yardages, creating different curves if you can. Like, you, like Andy said, go and check out the Impact Show that we did last week. It's all about how to do that. And I think once you get hold of that sooner, you'll get on the golf course sooner and you'll be more confident when you're playing certain shots on that golf course, which is really important. Definitely. Okay, so I think there's, look, there's three things there, guys, that I think are massively important that hopefully that... You know, give you an idea next time you go to the driving range, you might think about actually how you practice a little differently. And I think, you know, thinking about getting some deep practicing, real focusing on, you know, what you want to achieve out of your, let's say your block practice session, yeah. Pierce, you know, your technical change. Go with the plan, make sure you have the drills, use the mirrors, maybe record your goal swing if you want to record your goal swing. Um, and then understanding really that, you know, the benefits of, you know, randomized practice, Pierce, yeah. um, block practice, but also making it difficult. If you can make practice harder and put in a, 
a little bit of pressure, the game on the golf course isn't going to seem as hard, is it? So what we're saying then, you need a full set of golf clubs, a notepad to write down your notes, a randomizer app on your phone, yep. two targets on the driving range which are always quite tight and close together, and then playing different shots out of that full set of golf clubs that you have got. There we go. By doing all of that, guess what, Andy? They should be better, shouldn't they? They should be. So, Andy, before we go, we have to do a quote. We yes. always do. There's plenty of quotes out there based on how you should practice. Yep. Well, I think everybody's heard the quote, practice makes perfect. Uh, well, I think we, we're going to change that a little bit and say, perfect practice makes perfect. So next time you go to the driving range, see if you can make your practice perfect, and it's definitely going to help you with your game. So there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to episode nine of the Take Charge podcast. Andy has left the building. He is down to the driving range as we speak. He needs that practice. Right, so how would you like myself and Andy as your personal online golf coaches? Well, you can at meandmygolf.com. Loads of fantastic content personalized to yourself. It's really going to help you golf this year. Go and check it out. You can, you can sign up for free and we look forward to seeing you there.